Yeah. We had such a great time on conference. There is some fantastic stuff happening worldwide. It's of the supernatural kind too. I, I guess it's how much you want to buy into the Christian life and it's certainly not, is, it's certainly not a religion but it's certainly a powerful reality once you understand I guess all the implications of this thing called the covenant. Say covenant. And, and the covenant is really I guess the fine print, if we were to help you understand salvation, and if I was able to show you the fine print of what salvation is, that would be the covenant. It's like a contract. Uh, and of course, that's why the New Testament is the last will and testament of God towards mankind. The new covenant, the old covenant was great, and it's it showed us a, a, a lot of great stuff. But the new covenant is, wow, it's huge. And it's all these promises. It's all this intention of God to bless us. And I, I guess it flies in the face of us being humbly saved and cutely residing on earth enough. Uh, and look, this is enough, Lord. You've salvation is enough for me and this will be enough for me just to know you and that that is not that is not correct we should be hugely blessed in all areas of our life we should be so joyful we should be so prospering in our emotions we should be so blessed in our life in our families in our uh, marriages in our children. Who's going to the marriage seminar? Who's going to that? Yeah, I'm going, I'm going. Yeah, we all need that. And if you're single, you can go. You can go. It's great. It'll be a laugh. You can, they're encouraging single people to go. Why don't you go? It'll be great. There'll be literally hundreds of people there because uh, we've, the, the churches on the coast have been really trying to promote it. and We, we actually want to see coast life prosper. And this year, we've made it one of our intentions to see Coast Life Church prosper this year because they've been a little bit beat up years previous. But we want to see them prosper. Who's a bit like me? Who wants to see them prosper? Who wants to see other churches prosper? Yeah, come on. Yeah, if they're prospering, we'll, get, we'll prosper. You know, if our, if, our, if our brother is down the road suffering, we're going to suffer too because we're part of the body. This is a body of Christ. And if they're suffering... We're going to suffer too. So 1 Corinthians 11.25, in the same way, and I'm just going to throw some, uh, uh, paraphrase a couple of things I've said uh, over the last few weeks. The intention of the preach is to understand this huge, magnificent plan of God to bless humanity, to bless mankind. And it's through the covenant. It's through the cross. It's through the cross. And, and in that, it's right there for you, but you've got you to grab it by faith. You can't be passive. You can't be passive in the kingdom. If you go passive, the world will crowd in on you. Your homes will become chaotic. Your, your, your employment will go sideways. Your relationships will, will go into a, uh, a dysfunction. Uh, your health will come... Uh, you know, a lot of people's health is, is they're suffering because they don't take 
enough assertive action in their life and pray and stand on the word of God and believe for their health. I've never been away from a Sunday service because of ill health. I've never been away from the work of God because, oh, I'm tired, I'm sick. Never. I heard one man of God, Rodney Howard Brown, said he was about to fly out for a week crusade and and, uh, he was violently sick. And he said, I'm not standing for this. This is an attack of the devil. I've got to do the Lord's work. And so he began to pray. He's in a phone booth and he's praying in Jesus' name. I come against this sickness. In Jesus' name, I, I rebuke you sickness out of my body. Lay hands on yourself if you have to. It's funny that when you have to serve the house or serve... Yeah, let's, let's put our hands on our head right now and pray for healing. Because we're not going to take it. Lord, we're praying in your, in your son's name, Jesus' name. Sickness, go. Infirmity, go. Disease, go. Tiredness, goes. Every dysfunction... Every debilitating sickness goes from my body in Jesus' name. I'm healed. I'm sanctified. I'm justified. I'm blessed, prospering in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So one of the key things you've got to learn in the kingdom is that you can't be passive. You've got to be on the offensive. And, and on, to be on the offensive, you've got to have faith. Men, listen to me. You've got to be on the offensive and have faith for your family, for your finances, for your health, and for your spiritual. You can't dilly-daddle. You, you can't just humbly walk into this brutal place called the kingdom and... And be nice. There's no such thing as nice in the Bible. God is good. And when you look at the biblical interpretation of good, it's huge. Good is like, it's like, oh my God, I'm going to meet a good God. That means like, get ready to be absolutely loved, blessed, healed, set free, awesome, good. Nice doesn't equate to uh, the born again a believer. But God had to do something and had to get us out of this Old Testament. And I liked in the high school, I used to get the kids to open these Bibles, which some, some of the high school kids in Scripture had never touched a Bible. And we as the churches brought Bibles, hundreds of Bibles, and we used to use them in Wyong High School. And I said, kids, get your Bible. What's that, sir? That's that thing. Here, take it. Oh, okay. Boy, you could roll sm- uh, smokes out of this paper, sir. You could- that would be, yeah, I know, they used to do it at Penang. Uh, uh, they do it in jail too, but um, grab that part, the Old Testament, and grab that part, and you can do that right now if you want. And, um, and, and the Bible separated by this huge event. The Bible separated by this huge event. That's the Old Testament. That's Moses, Joshua, and Samson, and uh, David, and Goliath, and... Uh, and all that stuff, blood sacrifices, sac- priests, priests and sacrifices and blood of bulls and goats. And uh, yuck, I'm glad I didn't live back there. And then, but Jesus comes into history, bang. He comes 2,000 years again, bang. And he says, right, now we've got a plan. Father and I and the Holy Spirit, we have a plan. And we're going to instigate 
instigate a new arrangement from heaven through the covenant. We're going to instigate a new arrangement, a new plan, a new contract, a new last will and testament. We're going to instigate it into the world, onto the world, into the universe, in fact, because it doesn't matter if you go to the moon or Venus, wherever. This is powerful, man. Trust me. And bang, we've got Jesus turning up, preaching the kingdom. Again, didn't preach uh, something about this or that. He preached mainly on the kingdom, how to live in the kingdom, in the presence of God, Uh, not in religion. Didn't preach religion. Jesus didn't preach religion. He preached there's a reality that I'm bringing to pass right now through my life, crucified, resurrected, ascended. I'm going to release the glory out of the Jerusalem temple where it was all cooped up like a nuclear reactor. Remember I said that? Oh, well, I like that. I just saw the the Jerusalem temple where the glory, the Shekinah glory, but where the ark and the covenant were kept, it was like all cooped up like this huge nuclear reactor. But guess what? The curtain was, when Jesus was crucified, the curtain, the one one foot thick curtain from top to bottom was ripped asunder and out of it came the presence of God. And the presence of God is this Beautiful, powerful, manifested reality of God that you can walk with. And I love what Bill Johnson said. How do you have the Holy Spirit about you? Well, how would you walk around with a dove on your shoulder? How would you walk around if you had a dove on your shoulder? You certainly wouldn't be jerking around. and You wouldn't be in places where it's chaos and You just have this dove, the Holy Spirit, which came out of heaven and landed on Jesus. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And on that day, John the Baptist baptizing Jesus, this dove came down in bodily form, landed on him, suggesting this Holy Spirit, the dove is the most tranquil. You even look, we have doves that land on our back veranda. And I just love looking at them. Man, those doves, you look into their eyes, they just go, hey, how you doing? Wow. I'm stressed compared to you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm having a meltdown compared to the countenance on you. And these doves, they're just like, nothing's phasing them. Just hanging on the back. I'm just going, wow, what is it with these doves? And then Julie helps me understand, you know, the nature of a dove. And the Holy Spirit is like a dove, Luke. So the Holy Spirit, if it was to be on your shoulder, and if you were to carry the Holy Spirit like a dove, that gives you an idea how to entertain or how to, how to accommodate And uh, the Holy Spirit, just the Holy Spirit's here right now. The Holy Spirit's here helping us do church. And that is the reality of the kingdom. It's, It's different than the secular world where all these other forces and influences, the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 11, 25, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, Okay, Old Testament, here comes the New Testament. Here it comes. 1 Corinthians 11.25. I'm not putting the scriptures up there. You can if you want, but I've got to go through it pretty quick. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this is the last supper. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance 
For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we're trying to grasp. We're trying to understand the true nature of this covenant, this covenant that was signed, sealed, and delivered through Jesus crucified. What is it about this covenant? And and it's really blessing me because it's really about the fine detail. It's the contract. It's the fine writing of the contract between God and mankind. And I I really want to just touch on that and get us to a place at the end where I guess it gives you this strong reality that God wants us hugely blessed. Who's in for that? Who's in for that? And it'll, it'll get us out of some of this stinking thinking where we think that, look, I'm cutely saved and enough's enough. And now God wants to massively bless us. We got back to the motive. Of, we talked about the motive. You can take some notes. We looked at the motive of the covenant. Why God? Why this covenant? And it talks about the relationship. God is vying for your attention. That's the predicament on planet Earth right now. God is vying for mankind's attention. He wants to have a relationship. He wants to commune with you. He wants to be able to speak to you. He wants you to rely on him, to depend on him. He wants you to communicate with him. He wants you to pray to him. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to ask him. He wants you to believe in him. He wants you to exalt him and to worship him, to praise him. He wants your attention in every hour, every day. That's the kingdom. Religion is going to church on a Sunday. And that's it. Forget God. Kingdom is living in his presence. And you can see this in the scriptures. I will be your God in Genesis 17. You shall be my people. This is all about the covenant. Exodus chapter 6 verse 7. I will dwell in the midst of you. Ultimately, the covenant jewels, isn't it? It's about intimacy. If, if we could say one word, look, it's about intimacy. And you've got to practice the art of intimacy. You've got to practice that. Just like you've got to practice that in marriage. The nature of the covenant. What, how did this uh, thing form? There's three major steps. How do you do a covenant? In the Old Testament, it talks about the covenant and the New Testament. It talks about it's based on a promise. It's through a commitment. It's a promise. Imagine God promising you all this great stuff. God cannot lie. In fact, not only does he promise it, he goes one step better and he makes an oath, a confirmation, which makes it a very serious, a very serious commitment to you and I. It's an oath. The confirmation, when a promise is confirmed by an oath, it is given even greater seriousness. God does not lie. It's impossible for God to lie. Hebrews 6.17 talks about it. And the third part of a covenant is a sacrifice. Every covenant in the Old Testament, whether it be through Noah, Abraham, David, Israel, no matter what Abraham said, that, no matter what covenant is, it's usually sealed by blood. Sealed by blood. We talked about David Livingston, the missionary who went to South Africa and he had to uh, blaze the trails through Africa and all these tribes were against him. All these tribes were, were threatening him and going to threaten him. So what did he do? He performed a covenant with each tribe. 
so that he would be protected from that tribe. He would enter into an arrangement that said, look, I'm sweet with you. I'll protect you. You protect me. All good. In the end, David Livingston made 50 covenants in South Africa and was able to do his, all his missionary work. So it's a sacrifice. It's the shedding of blood, which is the, it's the part that people grapple with. It's the part that, why, God, do you have to use blood? Uh, in Jeremiah, it talks about this day coming. Uh, the time is coming, it says here. And, um, the time is coming when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. And ends with this assurance, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Now, this is Jeremiah in 31, 31, talking about there's going to be a new covenant coming. So here we are in the Old Testament. But Jeremiah is saying, he's prophesying as a prophet. He's saying there's coming a day when actually we're not going to have to do all these sacrifices in the temple and have all this priestship. And we're going to be forgiven of our sin. Do you know what forgiven of your sin? I mean, really one of the huge dilemmas that mankind has is that God is a holy God and we cannot approach him and be intimate with him if we've got sin. We can approach him asking for forgiveness, but there's only so far we can get close to him. We can't actually live in his presence without being forgiven of our sin. So when I say forgiven of sin, if I was to say that to you and you're in the Old Testament, that would be a huge day for you because you have to go to the temple and you have to get the priest to pay uh, a price for you by atoning you of your sins by this whole ceremonial. But if I was to say to you back then, your sins are going to be forgiven once and for all, you go, what? What, once and for all? I don't have to go to the temple? I don't have to pay penance, I don't have to bring a lamb, I don't have to bring a bull along and, 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 and have this big sacrifice made over me over and over and over again. No, it's going to be once and for all. So Jeremiah, Jeremiah, the prophet, is actually saying that. He's saying there is coming a time. And we're living in the time. This is it. It's, 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 it's fulfilled. This prophecy is fulfilled. There is coming a time when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and 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 I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. And Ezekiel is the same in 36.25, begins with the promise, I will cleanse you from all impurities and from all your idols. And ends with the covenant formula, you and out of all that, you will be my people and I will be your God. Why? What's this, what's, what's this new covenant going to do for us? And what's this, new, uh, th- this sacrifice going to do for us? You will be my people and I will be your God and you will live in my presence. And guess what? I'm going to bless you and bless you and bless you and bless you. Not through religion. Not through the law. But through grace. So the covenant is all about I guess, this amazing thing called forgiveness. Um, okay, so forgiveness, how does it happen? Atonement. Atonement is when something covers our sin and, and, and takes out the power of that sin. The blood of Jesus is the only thing the Bible says, God says in his word, 
that the only thing that can appease and neutralize and nullify sin is not by being a goody-two-shoes, is not by giving all your money away, is not disciplining yourself to the point where you are a guru, but the only way is that is by the blood of Jesus Christ. We know that, don't we? It's by atonement of the blood that was shed through Christ. So that's why this blood. And the blood is powerful. The blood, one drop of blood will neutralize the sickness of a whole city, a blood of Jesus. One drop of blood of Jesus will neutralize and eradicate and nullify, obliterate, destroy, cast down, kill, annihilate any sickness, any disease, any curse, any iniquity. That's why the blood of Jesus, that's why your Benny, Benny Hinn's and your Kenneth Copeland's and and uh, a lot of our old songs we sang in church were about the blood, the blood of Jesus. There was people in the war. Um, the war was going off. A family guy. He's got lots of kids in his country estate. And bombs were coming over England. And a lot of houses got destroyed. Bombs were jettisoned out of uh, German planes. Um, these farmers, these uh, rural dwellers, uh, they didn't want to leave home, but... I heard of one family, Christian family, that actually used to play the, pray the blood of Jesus over their home every night. And for one year, even longer, they were able to dodge. Uh, I think in one night, the story went, in one night, they had 50 bombs go off uh, around them at a distance, uh, at the closest of half a mile. 50 bombs went off all around them. But the testimony is they used to plead the blood of Jesus over their home, over the children, over the homestead. The blood of Jesus is powerful. This blood that was shed by Jesus is awesome. It forgives sins, delivers us from the power of sin and death, and delivers us from even the power of Satan. So if you really want to do business in your prayer life, plead the, the blood of Christ. Plead the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ. Some prayer warriors would do that. The blood of Christ. The blood of Christ. The blood of Christ. The blood of Christ. And it's okay to do that. But it's a powerful, it's a powerful declaration to do it. The blood of Christ. The blood of Christ. Through the blood, Jesus has redeemed us. Through the blood, there's divine provision. Say divine provision. Say divine provision. Divine provision is mostly about our sins being forgiven, but it's more than that too. It's about all our life being blessed. So when Jesus died, John 19.30 says, Jesus uttered these words. He says, it is finished. 
Death has been swallowed up. Sin has been paid for. Disease has been paid for. That, that's, 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 and he's saying, that's it. Religion is over. This, 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 this law and this whole sacrificial ceremonial stuff, it's done. Whoever believes in this price of my crucified life, by that sacrifice, you will be saved, healed, set free, born again. Hebrews 12.2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross. Uh, you know, I, like, like went to the cross with a sense of joy. And I heard, I think it was down there at the conference, that Jesus was so committed to going to the cross and he knew what it was going to do that with the joy within him the joy before him he was quite willing knowing that you were going to be saved you were going to be healed the families were going to be put together that this sacrifice was actually going to loose this huge amazing promise of mankind being blessed so Jesus, the joy set before him endured the cross. That is awesome. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. So Jesus, every, uh, we all know that Jesus was absolutely just everything taken from him. But through his poverty, through his poverty, we became rich. Rich in salvation. Rich in every way you can imagine. Even materially, spiritually, physically, socially, in every way we should be, we should be blessed and prospering. And this is, this is what we have to understand. God just so wants to bless us in every way that this arrangement of this covenant that was released through the cross, that God just so amazingly wants to bless us. But it's by faith. The covenant is, a, we didn't deserve it. The covenant is all grace. We didn't deserve it. It's grace personified. The covenant is, I know you're a scoundrel, but I'm going to bless you with all this. But the deal is that we need faith. So how does that work out? Galatians 3.18 says, God in His grace gave, gave to Abraham through a promise. Romans 4.16 says, Therefore the promise comes by faith. The promise comes by faith. All this that God has for us comes by faith. Grace and faith always go together. Hebrews 11.13 says, all these people, the Abraham, the Moses, the Gideon, the Samuel, the David, all these mighty men of, of God, all had faith even up to the day they died. And it's faith that, that we need to appropriate this covenant, this huge arrangement of God's blessing is all about faith. The promise is a bit like this. Acts 2.39 says, The promise is for you 
and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call the promise. What promise? The promise of the forgiveness of sins in the Holy Spirit. Genesis 12, 2 says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. This is part of the old covenant, but still applicable now. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Listen, guys, we should be so blessed and people should see the blessing on us that people say, my God, God must be for you. God must be to God's hand must be upon you. And in being blessed, people say, ah, so you have favor and you have breakthrough. I've seen you break through. I've seen you get jobs when there was no jobs. I've seen you break through with your health. I've seen your marriage being put back together. I've seen God bless you in all manner of ways. This promise is about salvation and the forgiveness of sins. And the promise is about the Holy Spirit coming upon our life and around our life. But the promise is so much more than that even. Genesis 12, 3, And I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I'll curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Galatians 3, 7, understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. It's the same deal. We are children of Abraham. Galatians 3, 29, for you belong to Christ. Then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And the content of the promise is this. It's about a seed. It's about the seed that that Abraham was promised in Isaac. It's about the seed that Eve, Adam and Eve, Eve was promised that there will be one that comes from Eve who will, who will take out Satan, and we know that is Jesus. It says in, in Galatians 3.16, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many peoples, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. And the second thing in this promise is land. In the Old Testament, you can see constantly how they were given privilege and given opportunity and given fights to take land. That's why I think this 11 acres of land is symbolically saying to us as a church, because it's so large, because it's so vast, I think God's saying to us, because in the Old Testament, if you had land, that means you had favor and that God had prospered you. And I think somehow, Luke, somehow that this land, through all that we did, through praying and taking the land and sowing and, and believing and all that we believe for in the early days as the Crossroads Church, God says, I'm going to give you the blessing, the covenant blessing of land. And I'm going to give you a magnificent parcel of land. And so when people look at this land, they go, my God, how did you get this? How much did you pay for it? And all I have to say in terms of how we got it is that God, through the covenant, through us believing in the covenant, through us believing in what God said, that if we served Him, acknowledged Him, worshipped Him, loved Him, and if we prayed, and if we believed and declared 
what is ours is ours, we would have our own land. And that's basically how we got this land. And you need your own land. I'm talking about spiritual land. You need your calling. Because the land now is not just physical, but the land is spiritual land. It's the land of your soul. You need your joy back. You need your peace back. You need your your salvation. You need forgiveness. You need peace in your life. All that is represented over your spiritual land. And the third thing about this great promise that God wants to bless us through the covenant is universal blessing, spiritual material, spiritual blessing, Genesis 12, 3, and material blessing, Genesis 26, verse 13. I'm finished now. Abraham, the Bible says, Genesis 26, verse 13, the man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity. This is what I want to finish on, folks. I want to finish on the fact that God wants to bless you spiritually, physically. He wants to bless you with a a, a righteous life, a sanctified life, a forgiven life. But He wants to bless you in every way. This new covenant and the price Jesus paid has released this fantastic promise, not only of salvation, but of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, but of all those things that you need. It's not enough just to have salvation and say, thank you, God. You've you've, you've given me, I humbly accept salvation. And look, Lord, I'll get a job and, and I'll do my best. And No, God wants to absolutely bless you to the point where it's ridiculous. You can see this in the scripture. The man became rich. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob all became rich. And his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, and the crops of your ground, in the land he swore to your forefathers to give you. And lastly, Deuteronomy 28, 12 says, The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land. Let's all stand. God bless you. Let me pray this over you. Lord, we pray. We pray for prosperity, spiritual prosperity prosperity. We pray for material prosperity. This is in your your whole life, your social life. Some people need husbands. Some people need wives. Some people need friends, better friends. Some people need breakthrough in their emotions. Some people need more salvation. Some people need more peace in their life. Peace is the opposite to torment. Some people need peace. Some people need help. Right.